0: Welcome to the 84th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with today's guest who temporarily donated his body to science, Craig LaFever. If you're new to the show, welcome, and thanks for stopping by. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I'm the co-founder of the Diabetes Daily Grind and host of this, the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease. It is because of people like Craig that insulin therapies will continue to evolve and the very reason I brought him on the show. Moving forward, the intro and closing will be a little shorter, allowing for more time with the guest. Here are a few quick announcements. Number one, this episode was brought to you by me. (laughs) I became a Scout & seller, Independent Consultant months before quarantine time because I believe in their clean, crafted process of making wine and it can be delivered to your doorstep. I promise you wanna learn more about this company and you can check out all of that information in the show notes. Number two, there's nothing like sitting across from my podcast guest in person, but Zoom video will have to do for now. Head on over to the DDG YouTube channel to watch me interview Craig and don't forget to subscribe. Number three, please click on the Amazon banner on the DDG website before ordering. It doesn't cost you a thing and throws a little change my way. Number four, I'm putting out a Facebook and Instagram Live feed each week sharing upcoming guests and exciting announcements. And your feedback is always welcome. In fact, there are quite a few call to action items. So be sure to check them out. And finally, don't forget to love, like, share, and comment on all of the DDG social media platforms. Sign up for the newsletter and be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Oh, <laughs> and I would Greatly appreciate if you left an iTunes review. All right, everybody, let's get started. There we go. There we go. <laughs> God loves technology when it
1: works. Yeah.
0: How are you this evening?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I just uh, did my first uh, Facebook Live. And uh, it's just a, it's a totally different ballgame. I'm not used to it. So it's like being catapulted into technology on a new level is crazy. Yeah. So I want to start with saying that we connected through our dear friend, Cynthia. Um, I have the pleasure of, I got to know her quite a few years ago at a conference and she's a man, she's amazing. And she's just recently joined the Diabetes Daily Grind team and is going to help me do all kinds of stuff. So I'm happy that she yeah. And the reason that we, this all came up was because I was interested in well, I'll say this, and then I want to get into your diagnosis story, but I was interested in maybe participating in a clinical trial and was just curious about it, and we discussed it a couple of times. And She said, oh, my gosh, my friend is going through that currently. Maybe I should – maybe you could talk to him. So Craig was kind enough to take a call, and when we had that initial call, it was a couple months ago, were you in between two of the like, sessions? I don't know what they're called.
1: Sorry, you froze there for a minute. I just got you back. Sorry. (laughs)
0: No, I'm sorry. Um, So when I originally connected with you, you were a part of the trial at the time.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: And you were in between sessions or I don't know what they're called.
1: Yeah. So they had two different stays as part of that uh, trial. So it was broken up into two week stays, which originally they were supposed to be like several weeks apart, but because they were trying to get it done in a time crunch, they kind of push it all together but um yeah they broke it up into two different uh sessions because it was a head-to-head study so they had to do one time with the study drug and then the other time with the existing drug
0: right well we're going to get into a lot of details with that but <laughs> i want to start with I, and i start with all episodes and i'm going to be looking at notes throughout is um tell me about your diagnosis story word on the street is a wild one <laughs> um
1: yeah so i was 26 um we just had our second kid. We were on vacation in Colorado. So like all through my wife's pregnancy, I was like peeing nonstop. And I just wrote it up as like, oh, you know, it's sympathy peeing or something. <laughs> and she She's pregnant. She pees all the time. I pee all the time. Um, so we were on vacation in Colorado to visit some family around Denver and up in like the Rocky Mountains and stuff. So driving around a lot and going to different places. And it was like everywhere that that we went I was stopping like every gas station to get like a jug of water and use the restroom so it was like something's not right here so finally kind of did a google search and was like oh these are symptoms of diabetes so um made an appointment as soon as we got back home um, and got in like the same day um and the doctor was like yeah you've my blood sugar was not like super high it was like Two sixty or something. So I'm not like off the charts, but he's like, "Yep, yeah, it looks like you probably have diabetes," and diagnosed me as type two because I wasn't a child, I guess. Was right kind of his his reasoning. Um, I've even said like several times, like at my appointments, like if this is really odd, just because you're so slim and you're active and whatever, and if we had like a research place here, I'd send you to that because it's just kind of odd. Um, but I didn't know any better, so I just took his word for it. Um, Started on like metformin and actose, um, and those did really good for like six months. I think I saw some background insulin production kind of honeymoon period stuff, um, and then the wheels just started coming off, numbers started climbing again. And so every time I went back, you'd want to try a new drug at, with it, and still, no, you're definitely type two. And uh,
0: Let me ask you really quick, in that period where you're saying the just kept period. throwing
1: more drugs on, it was getting really expensive because it was stuff so that there were no generics or anything, so it was like paying full price for stuff. Um, and then finally I started doing kind of my own research. You know, you trust the doctor cause the doctor knows what's going on. Um, so I started doing some like my own research um, and kind of found like, Oh yeah, that definitely could be type one. Um, I started pushing for like a C peptide test or something. And he just keeps pushing back with like, Oh yeah, no, you're uh, you're just not taking your pills or you're not eating right or all this. And I'm like, dude, I'm doing everything I can. Trust me. There's just, it's just not working. Um, And it went on for, gosh, it was a good year before I finally was like, you know what I'm done? I just like, either you find me a referral to do this blood test or I'm going to, I'm just going to go somewhere else and get it done. So finally he sent it out and I was already looking for another doctor, but I couldn't get in until after the holidays. This was like November, I think. And he's like, oh, yep. Turns out you're type one. I don't know anything about type one. So I'm going to refer you to an endocrinologist. I was like, well, that was obvious. Don't bother. I've already got something lined up. So yeah, it was about a year and a half, I think from when I was first diagnosed as type two to when I finally got in to see the, the new doctor and like got started on insulin and everything.
0: Kind of. So when, when you finally were diagnosed with type one and what, what, what did they immediately put you on? I mean, and what was your blood sugar at that point? Like what was your A1C if you recall?
1: Um, I, it was like nine something, I think it was pretty high. Um, so they started me on, um, a and Lantus, Um, and so it was like immediately, you know, once you, I started Lantis before when he thought I was type two and he kind of started me on Lantis and it was basically like, here's your pen, here's how much you're going to take every day. You know, I was like right at Thanksgiving too. And so it's like, I remember that Thanksgiving really well. Cause it was like, I didn't want to eat anything. <laughs> I remember being like in the bathroom doing my first injection on my own, just like having to like psych myself up. Cause I had like, I did one in the doctor's office and that was it. And I was like, here you go. Wow. And so I was like in the bathroom at our house, like everybody's out there. Everybody's there. Cause it's Thanksgiving and I'm like in the bathroom trying to give myself a pep talk to do an injection. And
0: what did your pep talk sound like?
1: Uh, it was just like, like, I don't like needles. I still like, I mean, I'm used to them now, but like, I hate getting flu shots and everything else. But, um, so it was just like, all right, you got to do this. You can do this. You've done it once before. Um, kind of like, you gotta, you've got to do it. Like, <laughs> but I sat in there with like a, uh, roll pinched on my stomach forever before I was finally like, and I was thinking like, do I go get my wife and make her do this? Like <laughs> at some point, some point I got to do it on my own, but. Yeah, and it took me a good ten minutes just to, just to work up the nerve to to give the injection the first time. But
0: I got to say that I, I think it's, and I, I say this often on the podcast. I think I was given a gift of being diagnosed at such an early age because I didn't have a fear of needles because I'd never really been around them. I mean, it's stuff. You don't get me wrong, and there was whatever, but you know, relinquishing control to have your blood taken is like a. I'm a shit show. I mean, I yeah. sweat. Yeah. I'll be like ask me some dirty question, you know, something to like take your mind off of it because you're going to stick me with that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I can't look at the needle through a blood draw. Like I have to like kind of go in my (laughs) own place, like IVs (laughs) and everything, all that. I can't do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I have to, okay. So I want to just go into that because I was a part of a, um, a clinical trial a few years ago and I can't, I'm I'm not, I'm not going to disclose which insulin it was for, but the fact that I had to go and have my blood drawn like once a week. Yeah was, I'm like, this is, and I wasn't, I mean, I was, I was getting paid like $20 I mean, it was nothing like I just wanted to be part of something. Sure. Um, Oh my God. I knew then I was like, I've got to, really, I've got to just let this go. So
1: yeah,
0: let's talk a little bit about a, how you found, and I don't know if we can mention what trial you're a part of. Can we?
1: Um, yeah, they didn't they like, there was, they kind of mentioned like, if you don't, mention the the sponsor they don't know if it was okay but outside of that like what they were testing and stuff they were totally good
0: with so okay so how did you find out about this particular clinical trial
1: um so i went to a TCOID conference in Mm -hmm. salt lake uh, like three years ago i think so i still get emails from there and so dr edelman knows some of the doctors who work for prociento i think and so Um, they were having a really hard time recruiting for this. Like they were running out of time. They don't have to extend it once. And so he sent out like this mass email to everybody on their subscriber list. I think that was like, Hey, there's this study. Here's some of the details. Get in contact with me if you're interested. And I'd looked at a few of them in California before, but like, it's so far away that like the travel stipend and stuff is just never enough to make it worth it. Right.
0: Um,
1: but like this one was, was much more generous. So, um, so I reached out to them and kind of got the details and then kind of hemmed and hawed on it for a long time because it was like starting right around the holidays. And then I was like leaving my wife home with the kids for two weeks straight. It was like, I felt really bad.
0: <laughs> but you guys discussed it, obviously, and it was a group decision. or a family
1: Yeah, decision. yeah, yeah. I talked to her about it. and She's like, oh, I can handle it. And I was like, I still up to like the day I got on the plane to fly out there. I was like, I don't know about this. But no, she was a champ. It was great.
0: Okay. So you find the trial, you are, I'm going to say, in, correct me if I'm wrong, intrigued because it is, it's a well-paid, well-paid study.
1: Yeah. Like I've done a couple of studies here in Boise um, that didn't pay great, but I really like one of them was for a glucagon that was like trying to get a shelf stable glucagon, which is like going to be key if you ever get like a true like dual right. hormone, artificial pancreas. So like I always want to give back to stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the compensation definitely helps for sure. Um, and that was kind of the thing for us for like, you know, it's a month total that she'd have to kind of put up with the kids by herself, but we'd have this <laughs> kind of nest egg to be able to do with what we want after. So. Right,
0: okay. So you get on the plane.
1: Yeah. Did so they, it was.
0: Did they give yeah, you a so, rundown of what it was going to be like?
1: Yeah. So like, you've got to go through all the like legal documents and stuff about what all the visits and stuff were like. Um, but when I first talked to him, they don't do things where they bring people from very far away. Usually, usually they find enough people around like LA and San Diego and kind of that area. So this was all new to them. So it was kind of a hassle getting things set up. Like things changed like every week it seemed like. So originally I was supposed to fly down for um, like my screening visit, stay a night and then fly back. And then like two weeks later, go down for my first stay. Uh, But they were finding as they had to bring people from so far away that they were just going to condense things. So it ended up like I was going to go down a week before Christmas and then Push my stay out until like right after new year's but once they kind of gave me the option to do them on the same visit i just pushed it all out until after the holidays because with work and everything it was a lot easier that way but
0: right okay so you are there Can yeah
1: so so you we get there um they i find out like i don't know a few days before i'm supposed to go that they're like their facility is full they don't have any usually they'll say like you can come in and you can do a courtesy stay. So you have to do your screening and then you have to have two days in between when you do your screening and when you actually check in. And they're like, so we're putting up people in the, in the La Quinta. So I stayed at the La Quinta and went over, did my screening and then had like a couple days to kill to kind of see San Diego and whatnot, which most of the time I hold up in my hotel and did, did work stuff. But, um, and then, yeah, the, you show up like 6am and check in and, kind of show up at this facility that like and that was one of the like most nerve-wracking things for me when I first thought about it I thought oh yeah it's gonna be like hospital sitting like private room and stuff and then I start finding out no it's like like you you're in like a big room with like 12 other beds you got a curtain for yourself but that's about the only privacy you got um, so I was like god I don't know if I can do
0: that like, <laughs> like for, for two
1: weeks it was yeah. it was like I was so close to backing out like the day before I was supposed to go, I was like, I don't know if I can if I can have like zero privacy for that long. And I was like, yeah, I probably better just suck it up and already kinda committed. I would have felt really guilty if I just backed out the last second. But
0: And so with a clinical trial like this, because it is a very, very controlled study. Yeah. You relinquish all control of your diabetes to people who don't know you.
1: Pretty much, yeah. So Um, like the nursing staff there was amazing like all of them I mean I think I'm even Facebook friends with some of them now just because they're (laughs) you spend a month with these people and you kind of really get to know them Um, so they were awesome so but yeah like you get there the first day and they kind of do all their tests and everything they got to do start doing your blood draws Um, when I got to keep my pump up until you take your first dose of the long-acting test drug
0: and then then you got to disconnect from your pump what pump and were you going to CGM
1: um. Yeah, so I have the Tandem T-Slim uh, with the G6, Okay. Um, and so I got to keep my CGM on. Um, they use their own. They use the G4 for that study, so I was wearing both, which was kind of cool because you kind of got to see them head-to-head, like, kind of where the technology has gone for those and how much better the accuracy has gotten, but so that was kind of cool to see. Uh, yeah, so you relinquish, you know, you give them your pump, and they kind of lock it away and give them your insulin. They put all that away, and then from there on out, yeah, any decision you make, they're they're involved in so they still they kind of have your what your numbers and stuff were beforehand as far as carb ratios and everything um and then if you feel like you need adjustments or something then the, the clinical staff there really helps you kind of make those adjustments fit and so they'll be like oh it's this many carbs for uh for lunch this is your carb ratio we're thinking like something like this are you comfortable with that so you get a little bit of say like If you're like, yeah, you know, I think I've been running higher today, maybe we bump it up a little bit. And usually they have a little bit of wiggle room with with stuff like that.
0: Well, I have to say that was my one, my deciding factor is I was not eligible at the end of the day because I have dietary restrictions. And I know that all of you, correct me if I'm wrong, are on, you had to eat the same meals, right?
1: Yeah. So it's actually like they cater it all, but it's like all fixed stuff. So like the same it goes by day of the week essentially they did have some other options like you could do a vegetarian or like a oh, vegan okay. option and stuff like that so there was some um and then they kind of went off of what your expected calorie intake should be as far as like what meal sizes were but yeah it was like three meals a day and then two like an afternoon snack and an evening snack that was all just completely
0: what do you want to measure out. what's that when you wanted to crack a beer
1: yeah, I wish. We talked about it all the time. <laughs> like people doing courtesy stays, like, so at the end of it too, you had um, two days where you had to wait between your last, um, your last day there and then your follow-up appointment just to get all the, la- the final labs and everything that they need. And so those people, if they're courtesy staying, go out and, you know, do whatever. And then they come back at the end of the night and we're like, smuggling some contraband for <laughs> me. <laughs> That's
0: hilarious. And it, gosh, it's just one of those things, I mean, yeah, letting somebody completely manage your diabetes in that type of yeah. scene, just
1: And the, and the numbers that they're expecting and what they consider like high or low is so much different than like what I would like, I mean, they're comfortable with you riding up close to 200 um, most of the time. And so it's like, yeah, I really don't want to be this high, but you got to really kind of like push for them because they, they're more worried about you going low. And so they don't want you to take corrections and end up low, but and then you've got this kind of wild card of the long acting drug that you kind of, it's a set dose depending on what um, cohort you ended up in. So it's not really calculated at all off of your weight or anything. Yeah, so, yeah,
0: actual.
1: so yeah. So like it starts to kind of build up in your system and then for most people they kind of just end up going like by like day seven, you're like tanking in the afternoon cause you've just got so much insulin in there. Um, like there were some people that like, taken like three times more than they would normally take with their long acting. And so they're just like juice and glucose tabs all day and night. It was crazy.
0: That would suck.
1: Yeah. Would- like there, I mean, like there was one guy, I think he took like, I want to say this is like 90 something glucose tabs in one night. Like it was like a, it's like a record.
0: <laughs> oh, God.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So some of the people like mine wasn't bad because I was close enough to, to what my normal dose would have been that like, it wasn't terrible. There's so many people that like didn't get any sleep because they were just up all night chasing, chasing lows just to eat and defeat the insulin.
0: So you wrap up the first two week session, you go home, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So they gave you the option. You could do like a full, like basically month long stay um, and just have, you had to have three days in between stays. So you just did like a courtesy stay there and you could go do your thing, whatever you want, or you could go get a hotel or whatever if you wanted and then come and check back in. So there were some people that came from pretty far away that did that, but I had already kind of one committed to work that I was going to be back for a little bit to kind of help get back on track before I disappeared again. And right. then like, I already felt bad enough about leaving well, the kids it, uh, and everything. You can for two weeks. You
0: can share. Who were you working for at the time that would allow you to take that much? I, um, I was at
1: Walmart, um, kind of running the HR stuff for a store. Um, and so I honestly, when I went to talk to my store manager about it, I was like, I don't think she's going to go for this. Like I was really surprised at how willing she was and I could work some of the stuff remote. And so they have y'all set up there like they had Wi-Fi and everything and you can bring all your laptop and whatever you have. So I could do a lot of stuff remote, which helped. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was nice that it fell right after the holidays when, you know, retail already has a lull where they get yeah. really slow and stuff anyway. So a lot of the stuff I normally would be responsible for were kind of not happening anyways. So
0: well, that's good.
1: Yeah, it was awesome.
0: So then you go back. Was it hard to get back on the plane?
1: <laughs> a little bit. Like, yeah, you're like another two weeks of this. And um, like the beds were so uncomfortable. I think that might have been the worst thing, coming back home to my own bed and like my family and stuff. And like, I feel like I can finally get a night's sleep.
0: And then having to go back to those
1: awful hospital <laughs> beds was so hard. <laughs> yeah. Okay,
0: um, you have two children, correct? Yeah. What did you What did you and your wife tell your children you were going to do?
1: Um, so we told them that I was basically going to like stay in like a hospital just to get to to test stuff. Like they know. I mean, they know about my diabetes and everything. It's like like I said, I was right after my daughter was born that I was diagnosed. So it's kind of she's always known it. Like she'll hear my Dexcom go off and be like, "Are you high or low?" And then share my <laughs> glucose tabs whenever I have to eat them. Like three for me and one for her <laughs> so they kind of know
0: wanting to eat a glucose tab I
1: know right like she she loves them like we went to Disneyland a while back and all that walking I was like eating them all non-stop and I pull out the tub and she's just like puts her hand out
0: kids love their sugar I mean, right
1: pretty much she is a sugar fiend
0: okay so with your children are you nervous at all that okay okay let me back track do you have a family history of type 1 diabetes
1: no, I'm the only one that i that that I know of in my family, so
0: were you sick at any point to where you think that it was like an environmental factor or like a bug?
1: Not really that I recall. um I said like my wife had been pregnant, so I kind of just wrote off the symptoms for a long time, but there wasn't anything like I don't catch the cold or much yeah
0: and I just happened to watch, and did you watch the uh p b s series are the oh, came out.
1: no the one that was just like last weekend i was gonna watch that i didn't get a chance to yet
0: i would encourage you to watch it yeah. I was, and i'm gonna write about it soon and maybe i hope to god i get somebody from pbs to be on the podcast but yeah. they talk about the um I mean, we all know that diabetes as a whole is like this crazy epidemic or whatever we're calling it right now. I don't know what the word is, but the increased rate of people being diagnosed, especially now it's no longer called juvenile diabetes. It's, you know, type one can be, but they talk about the, it's almost equal and I cannot quote the scientific data here, but, um, newly diagnosed type ones almost matched newly diagnosed type twos. Wow. And so we're looking at this whole, like, what are the other triggers or factors there? Yeah. And I will say, if you choose to watch it, I'm challenging PBS to do another follow-up episode because it was so doom and gloom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I cannot look at someone and just say, you look like a healthy person living with diabetes. I mean, it, you know, if I can live with it for 37 years when I started out with peeing on a stick. And I mean, it's just, it made me really upset that it was more of just this, you're going to lose a foot.
1: Yeah, I did. I, I Some of the feedback I heard was that it was, yeah, very kind of negatively portrayed oh. like it was the end of the world for you. But.
0: So I'm hoping, and, you know, maybe we can be on that next series. It's like, yeah. you we're thriving. This is not a, de- I mean, we're all going to die. I mean, we all have a death at some level, but. Yeah, know, there's,
1: that- so, there's so many like amazing athletes and stuff out there that are like doing amazing with it that they could have included in that that shows a totally different side of it. But.
0: And yeah, again, follow-up episode, PBS. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so with your kids and you being the first, are you at all concerned with nervous? Um,
1: heart- like we're very aware of like the signs like if they are like seeming extra thirsty or like they're using the bathroom a lot like we definitely are like should we do a finger stick like and kind of nervous about it but um not to the point that like i i I don't stress over it or think that it's going to happen i like in that aspect i'm grateful that i have it because i know that if one of them had it we would catch it really soon and there's all these cool things they can do now to get them in like trial and stuff, and kind of try to yeah. prolong that insulin production as long as they can. That I think they like. At least that's kind of a silver lining. At least I know what to look for. But.
0: Silver lining. God, we all need that right now. Okay, so word on the street, you no longer work for Walmart.
1: Yeah, so I work very, very, very part time for Walmart as I'm kind of transitioning someone else into my old role. I just started with Tandem last week.
0: And tell me what your role is
1: there. Uh, so I'm a pump therapy sales specialist. So essentially I'm taking inbound calls and stuff for people who want to know about the T-Slim, um, looking to buy it, um, trying to verify insurance coverage and answer any questions they have and get their file set up so that we can kind of get them started in that process and, and get them onto the control IQ and stuff. If that's what they're, if that's what they're looking for.
0: Well, and I think it's great. I mean, it's weird timing, but um uh, you know, that you are now a part of a company that obviously you believed in because you've worn their pump for yeah. a considerable amount of time. Um, yeah, and I kind of, I mean, I've never worked for a, any diabetes company, but it gives you some serious, in my mind, if I were a, newly per, a person newly diagnosed, that gives you serious street cred with, you know what to do.
1: Yeah, that's like, as part of my interview process, they kind of asked about like, you know, like your experience and stuff. I told them about like wearing the pump and they said, yeah, it's almost like it gives those people who wear it kind of an unfair advantage against the other, the other people there. It's so much easier for them to sell it. Cause I mean, you can just totally talk to it. So.
0: Well, and you guys, if you, and if you can't talk about this, no worries. Tell me about the new, the whole new Tandem system because this is this newly released, right? The IQ? The
1: control IQ, yeah. So they had basal IQ before, which when I got my pump last year, it just had basal IQ on it and they were waiting on kind of FDA approval and stuff for the control IQ. So basal IQ um, is like that glucose or uh, insulin suspend. So if your blood sugar is going to go below um, 70 in the next half hour is predicting it'll just shut off your your basal to try to prevent that low um, and then so they got that approved two years ago i think um, so control iq now incorporates that but then it also takes the high part into effect as well so if you're trending up and you're going to go over 160 within the next 30 minutes based on those cgm readings um, it's going to bump up your basal rate to try to keep that and then if it looks like you're going to go over 180 in the next half hour it can actually give you a correction bolus on its own and kind of Trying kind to of help to curb that that spike. So
0: it's so weird. And I remember when I started the G six, I like had a nervous breakdown because so I was like, I've got to trust my technology. Right. I mean, and so I, and I've never been on an insulin pump, but like uh, that would be a real struggle for me. You know, I think it's amazing. It's the advances. I mean, it's it's gonna. It's, yeah. You know,
1: and and so like right now you have the option. Like we just talked to somebody who works there. Um, it's part of my training the other day who who doesn't use control iq because um, not so especially sure they don't trust it but um because they're you can't do a temp basal rate with it and they're very active um and so kind of you have the option to just stay with basal iq which i think is great for everybody like there's really no downside to that because it's just going to keep you from from hitting those lows and um, as soon as you start going back up you're going to get your basal back so like that alone for me um was amazing just because like there was no more overnight lows. My, my, my urgent lows were almost zero, um, mm-hmm. on that system. So you have the option to stick with just the basal IQ, um, or you can, you can now get a pump that has control IQ on it or upgrade your, your old one to the new system. So.
0: That's, that's pretty incredible. Okay. If you, and this, if you had to give up insulin pump or CGM, Oh,
1: I would give up the insulin pump. The CGM technology is, is like irreplaceable. Like, I mean, especially like I'm terrible at doing finger sticks. If, if you leave it to me, I won't remember. And so, um, I probably trust the CGM more than I should, but, um, yeah, I just, just, even if it's just the trends that you're seeing and not going off the number, like seeing like what breakfast does to me or needing to adjust basals and all that, um, I, it's invaluable, I think. Like, I really hope that it gets more affordable to people because I think way more people should have access to that technology.
0: I totally agree. And, uh, yeah, I was – I say, you know, I don't like Instagram. I don't like to post on Instagram. A picture of me working out or whatever. But <laughs> what I often do is, like, I went out for a walk the other day and my blood sugar was at 117. I'm like, oh, ah, that's good. The area was a little bit down. And I was like, I'm just going to down some more shoes and so I'm going to go for a job. Literally around the block, I saw that it turned to forty nine straight arrow down. Yeah, and I was like, "All right, wrap this up. Let's go home." Even with the orange juice, but it—it's one of those things that it's um, it's just. Uh, I mean, it, I say this often, life changing. I don't care which yeah. you use, and I think some one is better for type one, and one is better, good for both. But, sure. but yeah, definitely life changing.
1: Yeah, and I like I I didn't get the pump for a long time just for like cost restrictions and stuff. But Mm -hmm. I like never like I always, if it was down to the two, and I can't really even imagine having a pump without the CGM. Like I don't think I could trust it quite so much or trust myself with it as much without having kind of that safety net that that the CGM incorporates into it. For sure. Okay, so let me look at my
0: notes here because I've got a couple other questions. So you donate a lot of your time to JDRF.
1: Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I met Cynthia was through JDRF. We were both on the walk committee, um, one year. So we kind of like really for me getting involved with JDRF was kind of my own self-serving, I guess at first, like newly diagnosed type one as an adult, I don't have camp or anything like that available to me. So like you're looking for some kind of community, like where you can talk to people. So it was like, I'm going to get involved wherever I can. So it was like, this is kind of a, a way to get into that community, I guess.
0: And so what all do you do with JDRF currently? You, don't you post like a, is it a weekly or monthly Zoom meeting or whatever people knew that? Um,
1: so they're just they're just starting that this week. So I'm on the outreach team. Um, so a lot with like newly diagnosed families delivering those bags of hope and stuff like that. It's kind of difficult for us because our regional office is technically in, in Salt Lake. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a pretty good jaunt away. Um, but we have a good group up here that kind of tries to keep up on that stuff. But so I do a lot of that. And then, yeah, this week they're just starting um, because we can't go out and do those bags of hope and stuff, obviously with stay-at-home okay. orders and things. Um, inviting all those newly diagnosed families into kind of a Zoom meeting to try to you know, have people there who have some experience and kind of do some outreach that way. How many
0: people do you expect for this first one?
1: Um, I know they've put out quite a few. I'm not sure um, how many are actually going to be there. I know they had, last I heard, I think they had about 14 families kind of committed, but we'll kind of see who...
0: I mean, it's sad that for a few families have to be a part of this team, but it's nice right. that there are resources available during this time when yeah. you can't be sitting in front of somebody. Yeah. Um, it's that's crazy. Okay, so right now I'm going to I'm going to go back to. I'm going to go to insulin. Have you, at any point in your type one life, rationed or been nervous not to be able to afford your insulin?
1: yeah so there's I've never had a ration, but there's been some times where it's like coming down to time to fill and you're like,
0: am I gonna fill my
1: prescription this month or am I gonna buy groceries this week? You kind of get to the point where you're looking at the stock in the fridge and you're wondering like am i gonna have to, is this the month I have to make that call so um I'm pretty fortunate now to have really good insurance, so I haven't had to deal with that for a while, but yeah, there was definitely some times like the kids are young and you're looking at like formula and diapers yeah. or insulin like that's not a decision anybody should have to make but
0: well it's nice to see and i'm not saying which insulin companies but there are a lot of groups that are stepping up and so hopefully
1: yeah yeah some of that stuff that came out in the past week was at least pretty reassuring to see
0: happen so yeah it's uh it's okay so yeah um word on the street you used some of your money from the study to buy correct me if i'm wrong a jeep
1: um, yeah, sort of. So, um, I didn't use the, my. I, that made it easier to get it, but, um, I sold my, my truck. So we already had one Jeep. Um, we're a Jeep and family. Now we have his and hers Jeeps cause my wife wouldn't let me drive hers. Um, it's kind of funny cause I bought, my brother kind of got me into it. His he had, he had a Jeep and I go out with him and then it was like, I want to be able to drive. So I bought this old, it's like 20 years old, 93 Wrangler that was just like it was super cheap, but it was it it was nice because if I was going to beat it up, I didn't have to worry about it, right. but it was in terrible shape, and it was just a money pit, so my wife hated it like the seat belts didn't work very well, so she wouldn't ride in it and then I got stuck for about oh gosh, a good eight hours one day outside of cell range, and she had no idea where it was and <laughs> so it was like and she really hated it, so I ended up getting rid of that one um and my brother was with me that time, so his solution was to buy his wife a jeep of her own so that you kind of hook them in I guess it's kind of addicting but um so after I got rid of that one I bought my wife her own jeep which was hers to do whatever she wanted with and so once we got her out on some trails it kind of got her hooked and then she wouldn't let me drive it anymore most of the time like I had to fight for the keys so that was like all right and when you go out in jeeps and kind of out into the country you don't ever want to go with just one vehicle because who knows what's going to happen right sometimes it's hard to find people to go with you so we're like obviously the solution here is to buy another jeep which was kind of my plan all along was to get her hooked and then just buy my own so it all worked out for me pretty well <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so when we got that we kind of were able to kind of put that aside and i had a truck that i never drove anyway so we we're like
0: we're okay gonna... so let me ask you with the jeep adventures and i don't know what the correct term is there because i watched you on one of your facebook things like maybe your son or somebody was in the car with you uh-huh
1: yeah
0: <laughs> with you and it's like you're climbing and doing whatever and i've been off-riding before thankfully other people were driving i've only off-roaded once with my subaru but um that is super stressful
1: uh somewhat i mean mean, like there's there's some moments where yeah you're really like like oh man am i going to tip over (laughs) kind of thing so
0: can i make it up this or you know yeah so the the reason i ask that is what's your blood does your blood sugar spike during those things
1: um it doesn't too bad um it's kind of weird. It usually kind of drops. So uh, Mm. we went out a couple months ago, I think. And I got out of the Jeep the first time we stopped and the pump fell off my pocket and it ripped my infusion set out and I didn't bring another one with me. And I was like, crap, we have to cut this short, but let's kind of keep going and see where we end up. And actually, I was like, like fighting lows most of the time. And it's kind of like, there's a lot of bouncing around and stuff. Like it's a pretty good workout really, because you're kind of trying to stay Upright, and you're seeing yeah. you're bouncing around and stuff. So there's a lot of that, and I think that has something to do with it. Like it's kind of a core workout as you're trying to stay upright. But yeah, yeah. so it's kind of the opposite, it seems.
0: Huh? I would have never thought that because I feel like yeah. it's in a adrenaline rush, and we all know with adrenaline, right? Yeah, yeah. I
1: totally expected within like an hour to be like two fifty and having and trying to head home because I thought for sure I was going to be doomed. But yeah, like I went high kind of towards the end of the day, but most of the day I was I was like eating to try to not go too low.
0: Okay. So with having a CGM and being an adult going into diabetes, is there anything that the CGM has, I'm going to say taught you or shocked you about something you've eaten or done, how it affects the blood sugar?
1: Yeah. Um, like there's stuff like that might be fairly low carb, but like high protein and stuff. And normally I'm like, I don't need to take this much insulin for that. I just cover the carbs and then like, um, floating around 200 for like three hours i'm like what the heck and kind of learning that you got to dose for a little bit more than the carbs i think and especially on like like i shouldn't eat pizza what i do all the time and like learning how to how to kind of kind of account for that and not hate myself the next day for it
0: this is tough and i'm not plugging any brands That i will say there are a couple there are quite a few out right now that are cauliflower or
1: yeah, we bought some cauliflower <laughs> crusts and made our own that are really good. And I think uh, Blaze Pizza, we go there a lot, has a cauliflower crust that's pretty decent too.
0: And it's nice that there are options now because it makes a real yeah. difference on the blood sugar and like it's a yeah. quality of life. I feel like back to especially those who are diagnosed as kids that lose their yeah. favorite things. Do you have any diabetes hacks, tips, or tricks?
1: Um, I don't. No, if I would call them tips or tricks or anything I learned pretty early on that you got to kind of advocate for yourself and don't be afraid to push back against the doctor because you know they're a professional but they still don't know everything um so I kind of learned there that like if I think that there's a better a better care for me or something that I want to try um it's up to me to make sure that, that happens I I need that doctor to write the prescription but I'm ultimately the one who's making those decisions for myself because I'm I'm the expert on on my diabetes so really got to kind of push back but
0: very well said, and I'm working with a couple of medical groups currently, and we'll be announcing that soon, um, about helping bridge the communication gap in between the medical community and the patient, and also advocating for the patient or giving them a voice as to what questions to ask, and telling, you know, encouraging the doctors or training them into, here are the right questions in a, in a compassionate way, to keep yeah. engaged, I mean, it's it's, it's frustrating. Do you feel like when you go into a doctor's office, and I'm going to say your endocrinologist, and we don't need to know who that is, is that they are knowledgeable on all of the new insulins, all the new pump therapies?
1: Um, I feel like mine does a pretty good job. I've definitely heard some some horror stories out there, but um, the endocrinologist I use is, is pretty up-to-date. He seems to, to keep pretty up-to-date. Like, um, when I decided to go on the insulin pump, I I didn't even really tell him what was going on, and I just kind of he got the prescription. But he said, "Yeah, I think that's, you know, he knew about the control IQ update coming and kind of what was coming and and the technology that was there." So he was definitely kind of keeps track of what's what's going on. So,
0: well, and being a part of an insulin ther- uh, the, the trial, do you feel like there's I don't know what the ultimate goal was for that particular drug but what are your thoughts on where insulin is going to go in the next five years?
1: Um, I hope you start seeing some of these like smart insulins and stuff, make it to market, but I just, I don't know. It takes so long. Um, so that one was just a new, basically a generic version of Tracee, they were kind of trying to get to market.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but like we talked to the people there a lot and it's like a phase one thing. So you're just so far from, from anything new, but I, hoping at least that some of that more of that stuff kind of starts to make the market at least a cheaper option to kind of force some of these other places to bring those
0: costs down. Yeah. That's a Well, and I have to say um, my internet, my internet connection is unstable. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> is that my upcoming recap with no in is going to, all the things that I asked them specifically. I was like, hey, in addition to talking about a lot of the programs that you're offering and things like that, can you speak to what um, insulins are available right now? Because as somebody who's always been compliant, I did what was asked of me for my doctor. I never thought, oh, I should research my own insulins or what else is out there, whatever. And so um, I'm excited to hear what they have to say because – There are so many insulins currently available and they're coming out like every other year or every year. So I am excited to see where that goes, I guess. Um,
1: Yeah. 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 They say that these high prices are to fund R and D for new insulins. It'd be like, it'd be great to see some of that come to fruition and at least, you know, see some kind of bang for your buck on what you're paying at least. Yeah.
0: The lighting here, I have to say, <laughs> it is it has been cloudy, and we've been in tornado-like. Oh, awesome. Day, and it's raining a tail on me today. And just just now, <laughs> which, is <laughs> great, which is great, but it's like, oh, this is not good, good timing. Great. Thank you, Sunlight, but <laughs> not the best. I don't even care. I'm not that egotistical. Is there anything you want to share, Um with the diabetes community. I feel like right now everybody's trying to lean on someone or, you know, it's not all bunnies and rainbows and all that kind of stuff. So is there anything that you want to say?
1: Um, I think we kind of, we talked about like bridging that gap with healthcare stuff. Like I'm a firm believer that mental healthcare should be a part of your your diabetes regimen. Like one of my like long-term life goals is to somehow create something to where you have like a, one-stop treatment place that would have like an endocrinologist and a mental health place and like all these things that you really need in it. Like, um, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to people. We're all kind of doing it together. Um, not everybody can get into therapy or whatever, but I mean, Facebook and stuff like that is huge for me just to be able to kind of reach out. Like I don't have a lot of direct contacts that I speak to real often with, with diabetes, but that, that community is huge and that mental health aspect of it. Um, taking care of the mental side of it first makes the, Control your numbers and stuff a lot easier, I think.
0: Oh, very well said. I, I will. I live here in Oklahoma uh, City, and there's one tribal community in particular, the Chickasaw Nation, and I've toured their facility a number of times, and I've actually taken other tribal communities from outside of the state there. And what I loved about their diabetes center is once you're diagnosed type 1 or type 2, your initial, I'm going to say this and it's not, Factual that you get to see a podiatrist, um, a an eye doctor, you uh, some, a dentist, a mental health. I mean, like every, everything is at the one stop shop. So you come in once a month, and you get to you get to have all the resources under one thing. And with that tribe in particular, it's completely paid for. So it's not like many of us who are on or uninsured or have insurance to where it's like you're paying out of pocket. All these things. Yeah. Yeah, the mental health component and I know a lot of advocates right now that are really fighting for that because we're all I mean, and we all know we make 183 and I say that loosely. I think it's more like 2017 decisions a day yeah. beyond the average people and just preparing to go to the grocery store to pick up my groceries today. In the drive through was a stress, stress yeah. longer, like, where I'm shut down. I mean, no one's given me any advice on how to handle that.
1: Right, yeah. There's, there's so much thought that goes into that, that little number that, you know, there's, it's very mentally taxing. I, I, it's, yeah, very underrepresented, I feel.
0: Well, hopefully we will both be advocates for that and see a change yeah. in my lifetime since I'm – I assume older, but whatever. Um, there's something else I was gonna ask you. Okay, so as someone who is diagnosed at a later age, do you feel your lows?
1: Um I I don't as much anymore. Um not having them as often is definitely helped, but um like I've been thirty before and still been like Totally functioning, conscious, yeah, and can like I st- I feel it, but it's not like I'm like I tell somebody I'm was it like 32? And they're like, how are you even conscious? But um, so I don't, I feel them, but they're usually well into the 50s before I really, really start to feel them. And then it's one of those things where you like, look at the number and then suddenly you feel it because you know, but yeah, not to, not as much as I did when I was first diagnosed for sure.
0: And how long have you had diabetes?
1: Uh, it nine years this, this summer.
0: Yeah. It's crazy how the, those things change because when I was a kid, I used to shake yeah, and my nose would get numb, and I would sweat. And then through my twenties, it kind of changed. I'm sure that was like his hormones and whatever else yeah. I was in my life. But now it's it's I can feel it. It's almost like an anxiety attack. I can yeah. I start to race, and I'm like, oh wait, let me check my numbers, whatever. Um, and I, anything, and I'm trying to retrain my body because I know it's a healthier place. But you know, about 90, I start to feel it and 70 is like okay this is we're going big time but then like you said i can get into a 42 and be like well didn't even know that was there
1: (laughs) yeah it seems (laughs) like it's not even consistent like yeah i think sometimes it has to do with like how quickly it happens like i definitely get that like i don't know if it's just me causing for myself but yeah if i see like that urgent low suit alarm or i see like it's double arrows down or something i get kind of that that heart racing feeling and stuff and um i don't know if it's just me causing it for myself or part of the low
0: when you see that i'm like shit is about to do something right now and yeah yeah, it's uh and do you feel and i only learned this term in the past couple years but like a diabetes hangover
1: yes the hangover i call it yeah especially (laughs) if it's overnight it's like (laughs) um yeah it'll it'll drain me for sure like and then like I try to, like, if I have to call in for work or something, I feel silly. I'm like, oh, I went low last night. And I'm like, well, how's your blood sugar now? Well, it's fine now. But I feel like I, I hit by a train last night. Like, yeah, if I hit below 50, it, it takes a lot out of me for sure.
0: It's crazy what a difference that can make. And it, when you have repetitive ones too. Yeah. I overcorrected corrected the other day, and I went from, like, 50 to 270 in a matter of it, – like, it was just so fast and derailed. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mess up your day. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I'm going to say all the notes I have unless you want to throw in anything else.
1: I don't think so. Um,
0: Would you encourage people to participate in your trial?
1: Yes. Um, Maybe not the one I did. (laughs) It was a lot. Like you talked about not liking blood draws. Like there was at least one blood draw every day. And then through what they call a clamp procedure where you're like hooked up to the machine. I mean, you've got three IVs in for, um like almost 48 hours it was like that's been okay. everybody's question like would you do it again and i'm like maybe not something that stream. and i so depending on which group you ended up in some groups had two different clamps one was a 24 hour and another was a 42 hour but you're really hooked up to those machines for an extra 12 hours on top of that because they got to calibrate everything and get you all set up so right. or i guess an extra six hours on top of that but you're fasting for an additional 12. um so that part was was pretty brutal like convincing myself to go back for the second two weeks like that was the hardest part it was like and then i came out of one of those with a fever and that was like right during they already had a positive <laughs> flu test there and right as like the covid stuff was ramping up and so they quarantined me so i spent like 3 days straight with very little interaction with anyone it was pretty terrible but
0: that would be so tough uh,
1: yeah that was the that was the worst part of it but kind of you get into that like last 6 hours of the 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 last one. And you're like, it's the longest six hours of your life. You're like, I just want to stand up and eat and get out of this stupid bed.
0: Well, I want to say thank you for participating in that trial because it's people like you who um, are, I'm going to say sacrificing your body. (sighs) And it's weird as hell to say, but um, if you're in a position and this, no one's paying you to say this, that if you're in a position to participate in anything like that, there are so many clinical trials that are going on right now, and if we don't step up as a diabetes community, nothing's going to change. Yeah, well, I'm glad because as you, I mean, if you had gone the first two weeks and didn't return, you wouldn't. Hear yeah, sh- yeah, yeah. Make all you that Im-
1: Yeah, all that information is gone, and that was like it was never really a question for me to go back. Um, and like, it, I make it feel all doom and gloom, but really, it was like we all joked around. It was like adult day camp. Like we were cooped up and couldn't leave or anything, but you're with all this group of people who are all, you know, doing the same thing and you get to compare therapies and talk about pumps. And like, it really was kind of like adult day camp. Plus it was kind of nice to let somebody else take the reins for a while and, and dose my insulin and stuff. So
0: are you staying in contact with anybody else that was a part of the trial?
1: Um, yeah. So we have a Facebook group that we started that kind of, and so there's people that I didn't even cross paths with there that either came in after me or left before I got there that like I'm meeting through that, that, kind of, we all have gone through the same thing. So we all have these little jokes that we make about yard time and stuff like that. That's really cool to get to
0: interact. That's great. Okay. Last question. When you came back home after the, it was all over, what was the first thing you did?
1: Uh, well, the first time I got to be out of the facility, I went and got a drink and like a giant hamburger. Um, Cause I want to just eat what I want. Um, first thing. So actually I was like 1am when I got home. So I came home and went to bed, but the next morning it was kind of like family day and right. just getting up and kind of getting reacclimated.
0: But. Well, again, thank you for yeah. donating your body to science <laughs> while still alive. <laughs> hopefully we'll all see, um, I don't know, some positive things that come from this. So. Yeah, hopefully. And please stay in, in contact and uh, Definitely. yeah, keep doing what you're doing.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: All right. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye. Before I wrap up, I have a few last minute things I'd like to share. Number one, don't forget to check out the show notes to learn more about Scout and Cellar clean crafted wines. Number two, I want to thank the medical community for doing everything they can to help us stay safe. Grocery delivery services for allowing us to stay home. Local restaurants for delivering good food to my door. And fellow advocacy groups for providing valuable resources during this dark time. Thank you from the bottom of my T1D heart. Number three, the mini podcast series featuring brands, services, and organizations I believe mirror my mission can be found on the website and all podcast platforms. If you'd like to learn more, please shoot an email to Penelope at DiabetesDailyGrind.com. And finally, please continue to leave iTunes reviews and love, like, and share on all things social media. We all know right now that we're leaning hard on social media for connecting, and I'm doing everything I can to put things out, and would love your feedback. If you'd like to contact me directly, I can be reached at Amber at DiabetesDailyGrind.com and getting a message from you makes my heart happy, and keeps the episodes coming. That's a wrap. Stay safe, everyone. Cheers to the highs and lows.